Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Feisty, fearless and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. Boy, are we in trouble. The president of the United States has to keep getting corrected by his own White House team. And now we are getting more mixed messages from the leader of the free world at a time where, boy, the stakes could not be higher. So tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, I'm I'm just shaking my head because he is rambling. He's misspeaking. He's answering the wrong topics, and the stakes couldn't be higher when it comes especially to issues like Russia and Ukraine. And so tonight on the show, we have some great guests coming up. By the way, we have former Trump communication director Tim Murtaugh is going to be joining us in about 15 minutes to give us his take on this latest series of Biden gaffes as the president's poll numbers plummet. They are now at 33 percent. And it's because even when Democrats and independents are asked about the president, they basically say, you know what? We don't really have a sense of strong leadership. That's where he seems to get an F from almost everybody. Do you think he is leading the crisis right now in our country? Do you think he is leading the crisis in the world? And when you have Russia that is doing tests on new ballistic, intercontinental ballistic missiles, brand new ones. They're testing some of the most sophisticated devices in the world. They are squeezing Mariupol. I mean, that is a human catastrophe. They're trying to starve them out. I mean, the stakes couldn't be higher. And we have a president who is not cognizant and not clear in his speaking. And I want to get your thoughts tonight on how dangerous this is. You know, at first it was like, oh, it's kind of funny. It's like funny Joe. You know, sometimes when you see the Easter bunny pushing him around a little bit, you kind of go, okay, well, that's kind of funny. It's Easter. It's something silly. You know, this is really serious stuff. And tonight I actually am really concerned. I'm concerned for our country and I'm concerned for our White House and I'm concerned for Ukraine that he can't keep his message straight. And he also seems to be tipping them off as to where the U.S. is going. And I want to hear your thoughts on his latest gaffe, because remember the whole minor incursion comment that he made? He made early on the comment that, you know, well, if, you know, Russia makes a, quote, minor incursion into Ukraine, then maybe we may not respond. And everybody's like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? Why would you ever say that? You want to say, Vladimir Putin, don't you dare step one inch into Ukraine. 
Well, obviously, he opened the door there, and we know what has happened now. There were 70,000 Russian troops amassing right there on that border. They stepped right in. Many people said that Biden's comments helped to give a green light to Vladimir Putin. I mean, obviously, he had a green light as it is, but it certainly didn't help when you have a U.S. president who says, oh, well, if it's a minor incursion, basically there'll be a minor or maybe no reaction. And somebody like Vladimir Putin, well, guess what? He smelled blood and he went for it, as we know, and it has been horrible and disastrous and just catastrophic consequences for Ukraine. And then just a few hours ago, when I heard the president of the United States saying this, my jaw dropped. And I want to get your take on this, because to me, this is a very dangerous comment. Remember, Russia right now is encircling the city of Mariupol. They are slaughtering people. They are slaughtering women and children. They're torturing them. They are starving them. They're executing them. We've all seen the images. And they are doing that in Mariupol right now. The stakes couldn't be higher. And we have a president who basically is about to give away part of Ukraine to Russia. Take a listen to what our very weak president, I think, said just a few hours ago. Our unity at home. Our unity with our allies and partners and our unity with the Ukrainian people is sending an unmistakable message to Putin. He will never succeed in dominating and occupying all of Ukraine. He will never succeed in dominating or occupying all of Ukraine. Forgive me, Mr. President, the answer should have been he will never succeed in getting any of Ukraine. And that, to me, just hearkened on the whole minor incursion comment that he made. Well, if it's a minor incursion, do you think President Zelensky is sitting there thinking, well, maybe if I give away uh, a third of my country, it's okay with President Biden? That's basically the message that this president has just given away. Yeah, why don't you let's give away Texas and California. It's just two states in America. Can you imagine another leader saying that? to another world leader telegraphing it to the world at a moment like this. This is extraordinary to me. Take a listen. This is former NATO representative from the United States, Kurt Volker, who was shocked by that remark. Well, first off, I agree with him. And I think this is largely because of the character and the will and the fight of the Ukrainian people. Mm -hmm. Um, They are so dedicated to protecting their homeland, they will never fully be taken over. Uh, and that is their fight, and they, they have pushed the Russians away from, uh, from Kiev and from other major cities. But what that statement does is it also signals that, okay, but maybe Russia will take parts of Ukraine, and it's unclear what our response to that is. Uh, I think we need to be signaling to Ukraine that they have a right to their own territory, their own airspace. Uh, if they are going to fight to take this back, we understand and we will continue to support them. It telegraphs trouble. And take a listen. This is Ari Fleischer, former White House press secretary under President Bush, also was quite shocked. Now, in terms of the statement President Biden made today about all, they will never suppress or control all of Ukraine. This harkens back, Martha, to one of the biggest mistakes Joe Biden made when at a news conference prior to the Russian invasion, he said, well, you know, if they kind of have a minor incursion, that's probably going to be okay. We probably wouldn't do anything. We'll talk to our allies and maybe we'll be split. This harkens right back to that same sentiment. 
that there's parts of Ukraine that are just fine in letting a sovereign nation, Russia, invade and take over? The answer is no. Territorial integrity is territorial integrity, and you don't start as the American president yielding it, giving it up in a rhetorical statement that he's, as he did. Yeah, who is President Biden to say, you know what, Ukraine, you know what, maybe you don't have to give away, you know, all of the country, but part of the country essentially is okay if Russia takes it over. That's what he basically signaled to Vladimir Putin at a time that he's encircling Mariupol and wants to take the eastern part of that country. Don't you think there's something wrong with an American president telegraphing that to the world? I find that unconscionable, and I find it outrageous. He should be saying, if you put one inch on Ukrainian soil, that's what he should have said months ago. And obviously, he missed that opportunity. And now he should be saying, how dare you, Vladimir Putin, you get out of Ukraine. You walk out of Ukraine. Don't you dare continue your ruthless assault, your genocidal assault on Ukraine. You get the heck out of that country, and we're going to make sure that you get heck out of the country, every inch of that soil, every inch of Ukrainian soil. Why didn't he say that? Why didn't our president say that? Why did he say You will never basically control all of Ukraine. Is he telegraphing what Biden wants privately? Remember, we also found out that early on, Biden offered, the U.S. administration offered Zelensky a ride out of the country because Zelensky said that. And Zelensky said he turned them down and said, no, thank you. I don't need a ride. I need weapons. And they have been fighting tooth and nail. And this administration, for some reason, has been pansying around and is scared of Vladimir Putin for so many reasons. And by the way, in the next hour, we're going to be talking to James Carafano, who is a great military strategist with the Heritage Foundation, to get his take on what the situation is militarily on the ground. Because the Ukrainians have made some major strides, of course, They are dealing with some big blows happening right now in Mariupol. But we're going to get a great assessment from him as to where he thinks things are going. But how dare our American president. And take a listen. This does harken back to what Ari Fleischer just talked about, that minor incursion comment that this president made. Take a listen. And so I think what you're going to see is that Russia will be held accountable. If it invades, and it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. But if they actually do what they're capable of doing with the force amassed on the border, it is going to be a disaster for Russia. Yeah, minor incursion. Remember, everybody, wait, 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 wait. So you're allowing for a minor incursion? And sure enough, they stood back. They let Putin invade, and now they're acting reactive. And now you see what he just said. To me, I think he's telegraphing what the Biden administration's philosophy is, that they would be more than happy, even though they're not the ones, it's not their country, it's Zelensky's country and his people's country. But I think he's telegraphing to the world that, you know what, we're more than happy if Russia gets that eastern part of the country, and then we'll just call it a day and we'll just move on. That's the way he handles foreign diplomacy. What do you think of that? Because I think he just talks and says what he thinks. I think he has no filter. It's like an old person in a senior citizen home when they just kind of say, you know, what they think. And you go, 
uh, did grandma just say that to me? That's what grandma's always felt, but she never told me at the reunions. But now that she's up in age, boy, is she speaking out. That's how I think President Biden is. I think he just can't help himself. And I think he is telegraphing what they are thinking privately, that they're more than comfortable selling out Ukraine no matter what. Because what else explains the reason that he's been doing drip, 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 drip on military weapons, but nothing really of substance? And now they're like, oh, gosh, maybe the Ukrainian people can win. Almost no thanks to the United States and their drip, 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 drip policy. Well, today, President Biden also had another big faux pas. And this came on the heels of a question from a reporter who was asking him about the border and about Title 42. Now, Title 42, we've talked about it here on the show. Title 42 deals with specifically the health policy that was in place by the Trump administration to block people from coming in because of health restrictions, COVID, um, or any sort of form of health restriction. We know that the Biden administration is going to lift it. They're going to continue with their big open border policy. It's a big issue. And so President Biden is asked today by a reporter, what about Title 42, which they are planning to lift next month? Again, it's all about the border. It's about immigration. And our president starts rambling and talking about masks. Take a listen. On Title 42, sir, are you considering delaying lifting Title 42? No, what I'm considering is continuing to hear from my, uh, my uh, first of all, there's going to be an appeal by the Justice Department. Because as a matter of principle, we want to be able to be in a position where if, in fact, it is strongly concluded by the scientists that we need Title 42, that we'd be able to do that. But there has been no decision on extending Title 42. And then the White House, soon afterwards, went into panic mode and said, you know what? Uh, He misspoke. They actually put out a statement saying there was a misstatement by the president. In other words, he was confused again. There was no Easter bunny around him at the time to correct him. And he misspoke again. And he didn't mean that there would be an appeal of Title 42. He was confused with the mask mandates, Title 42. That was the one question he got asked, and he couldn't answer it correctly. No wonder he is sinking in the polls. What do you think about our president and his leadership style at a time where there are so many crises between the border, between the COVID, mass mandates, all these things that they keep pushing? He can't even keep his facts straight. And the issue with Russia and Ukraine, as they're testing a nuclear missile, they're testing this new ballistic intercontinental missile that they were showcasing publicly, Russia. And we're, we have a president who can't even answer a question straight. We are really in trouble, guys. And I'm deeply concerned. I want to hear your thoughts on how concerning this is, that they had to correct him yet again. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And I'm going to take your calls when we come back. Plus, also talk to great former Trump communications director, Tim Murtaugh, and get his take on all of this after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And President Biden's words 
could really hurt situations, including Russia and Ukraine, because, boy, could the stakes not be higher when you have a dictator like Vladimir Putin. And now our president is all over the place. Take a listen to some of his recent ramblings in just the last few days. This is incredible. You got the vaccination? Yeah. Are you okay? I mean, you seem, no, it works. Or, you you know, or, or, or the mom and dad or, 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 or the neighbor or when you go to church or when you're, no, I, I, I really mean it. There are trusted interlocutors. Think of the people. If, if your kid wanted to find out whether or not there were, there's a man on the moon or whatever, you know, something or, you know, whether those aliens are here or not. It is out of this world. And joining us now to talk about all of this and today, the president asked about Russia, Ukraine, talking about a whole bunch of different things, also talking about Title 42, can't keep that straight between that and mask mandates. And on the question and topic of Russia, which was the focus of his statement today, he said, Russia will not take control of all of Ukraine. They will never take control of all of Ukraine. Again, I contend he should have said they should not take control of any of Ukraine. It just opened the door. It's that minor incursion comment all over again. Joining us now to talk about all of this is former Trump communication director Tim Murtaugh. Tim, um, what's your reaction to, especially right now, what I've just said, too, is that the stakes could not be higher when you're dealing with somebody like a Vladimir Putin and He's just making these comments over and over again that open the door for Russia and just don't sound like a strong leader. They don't project strong leadership, not just to America, but to the world. No, you're exactly right. And and for him to say that uh, that Putin won't get all of Ukraine, you're right. It opens the door. I think it, what it is is it's a glimpse into what Biden is actually thinking and probably should not say out loud. So he's probably thinking, okay, look, Russia's going to have part of Ukraine. But you don't say that. It, and it is exactly like the minor incursion thing, saying that if you know in, if uh, Russia had invaded Ukraine a little bit, then that would have been acceptable. Uh, but here's a guy. Remember, the White House had to correct him three times while he was over there in Poland uh, when he when he indicated that the U.S. troops were going to go into Ukraine, when he in, indicated that the United States would respond to a chemical attack with a chemical attack, uh, and then when he very clearly called for a regime change. So here's a guy who really has no control over what it is that he's saying at any given moment. And Tim, you know, you have worked closely, obviously, with President Trump at, at a very high level. It is frightening to see that we have a president, even today, he was asked about Title 42, of course, the border, because everybody's concerned of what's going to happen. It's already so much of an open border, and now it's going to get a lot worse with them lifting this Title 42 at the border. He couldn't even keep his answer straight, Tim. He starts talking about appealing the mask mandate. And then afterwards, the White House had to correct him and say uh, he misspoke. He, you know, there won't be an appeal of Title 42. Uh, The president was referring to the mask mandate. It's like, I mean, it's really frightening. What message does that send, you know, to the rest of the world, too? Because I agree with you on these other ones. He's telegraphing what he's thinking or what's being discussed behind closed doors. But he can't even seem to keep his topic straight. 
No, and this this one is really bad. I mean, you can just picture the press corps sitting in the room kind of looking at each other thinking, what in the world is he talking about? Uh, and then think about the reaction to the White House staff. And, and what, what do they see behind closed doors that we don't see when Biden is out in public, which is, which is not very much? Uh, and so to confuse these two things, two very big stories, obviously uh, the mask mandate on airplanes being struck down, huge story. But also the, the ex- expiration of Title 42, huge story. These are things that the president should have the information right at his fingertips because these are, should be things that he has been talking about very recently. Uh, clearly, uh, he just can't keep his thoughts straight. How surprised are you that his poll numbers are so bad? I mean, uh, many even in the liberal media are astounded. It's 33 percent approval rating, Tim Murtaugh, for this president. Well, I'm not surprised that they're low. But if you, if you watch the Democrats and you're hearing them say this now, they always blame their messaging. Even Biden did it today, saying, you know, we're just not getting the word out about what we've done. Well, first thing, messaging starts with the, the top. Right. The biggest asset that the president that the White House has is the president himself. And if he can't go out and get it done as far as broadcasting the message and what they perceive as their accomplishments to be, then they're really in big trouble. But it's not just the messaging. The problem is the policies. Inflation at a four decade high. I mean, clearly, hey, these Tim. are all due to Biden's decisions. Tim, thanks so much. We appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno. He's your numero uno. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back to Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a story coming from Enberg, Texas, where a police officer there was recognized for saving a resident's life. Officer Joaquin Garcia responded to a call where a resident was seriously injured from his leg. And when Garcia arrived at the scene, he immediately applied a tourniquet to the man's leg, which could have resulted in serious injury or even death. Several months after the incident, the man who was saved by Officer Garcia was able to thank him in person. And just yesterday, Officer Joaquin Garcia was recognized with the life-saving award for his heroic actions and fast thinking at a very pivotal time. And I always love this story where we're able to recognize our great men and women in blue and all they do to protect all of us, really, around the country. And tonight, we are talking about the situation in Russia, Ukraine, and also, of course, President Biden's recent comments which are just really all over the place. You just heard from Tim Murtaugh, Trump communications director, and he was talking about how dismal the poll numbers are for this president and also the misspeaking of what's going on with this president. It's like he's asked a question about the border. He answers something related to mask mandates that have nothing to do with Title 42 and the border. 
and then he has to go back and correct it later because the answer was a question about appealing in the Department of Justice. And none of that is happening in relation to Title 42. So the White House has to put a statement out. So it's like a repeated pattern. And then on an even more serious issue when it comes to the issue of what's going on, of course, what's going on at the border is a big, big, serious issue. Um, but then another equally and even more, you know, just right now, timely, devastating situation of what's happening in Ukraine. You got the president basically saying, you know, when he's talking about Russia, Ukraine, that Putin will never, quote, get all of Ukraine. And people in the audience are like, whoa, 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 wait. Are you basically privately saying well, we'll give them some of the country. We're not going to help protect some of the country or, you know, we're going to try to negotiate a deal where Putin gets X percent. Can you imagine? You have President Zelensky saying he's not staying in Ukraine at all, that Putin's not staying in Ukraine whatsoever, that it is Zelensky and his comrades country. It's the Ukrainians country. They're not going anywhere. They want to get rid of Putin out of every inch of Ukraine. So it's like this president is like gaff after gaff after gaff. And things are so bad that even CNN, Chris Wallace over there at CNN, is grilling Jen Psaki about this president and his strategy of sort of hiding away from the media. And then when he gets in front of the media, he's a big old gaff machine. Take a listen. Why has President Biden been so sheltered from the press? In what way? He just did a press conference a couple, several weeks ago. Well, and I was... he, does, he takes questions from the press nearly every day. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He just did one the other day. Yeah, it's like uh, he starts talking, and then as we've seen, the Easter Bunny tries to save him. And here's a little bit more of Chris Wallace talking about the bad numbers and also Joe Biden hiding away from the media because of what he did today. In his first year, Mr. Biden sat down for 28 interviews with reporters. That compares to 95 in the same period of time for Donald Trump and 162 for Barack Obama. By comparison, Jen, that's sheltered. Well, but the statistic you didn't include there, Chris, is how many times did he take questions from reporters at the White House? I think it was about no, he's had double two, so- the two solo news conferences. No, no, beyond that. I mean, nearly every day at the White House, he takes questions from the White House press corps. Yeah, but Jen. Two questions, three questions, eight questions. Yeah, but Jen, I, but, I, but why I mean, is I, that different? Well, He's done I'll, that I'll tell you exactly two or three why. times more than his predecessors. I'll tell you exactly why that's different, because when you're standing there, you can take a question, you can answer it, you can slough it off, and you move on. It in no way compares, and oftentimes he gives a partial answer and walks away. It in no way compares to sitting down with a reporter for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and having, uh, you can't move away. You can't duck it. You can't move away. You can't duck it. And listen, even when he is doing what appeared to be prepared remarks today about Ukraine and Russia, he started deviating and started saying, you know what? Putin is not going to have all of Ukraine. And now the White House is scrambling yet again. How dangerous is this, especially when we're talking about such huge issues? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to George on Line 7. George, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. What did you make of these latest gaffes? You know, Rita, it's not a surprise. And you know what? Like Someone like Chris Wallace, now you know he goes to CNN. And you know what? 
he fumbles with, with the Trump interview. And, you know, my point is, how long did this take to realize that this guy's a moron? Well, you know what? It, we're seeing more evidence of gaffes. Day. And he, you know what the thing is, George? He's actually a fairly quippy guy in his heyday. But he's not a quippy guy now. And and the fact that he's sitting there, George, going around and telling, apparently, according to reports, he was telling President Obama recently that he's planning to run again in 2024. I don't know how he's going to make it through four years with, you know, in terms of leading and the pressure and and the way he's handling things. How's he going to make it on to 2024 on the ticket? My goodness. Hey, Rita, before you let me go. Just remember when Nancy Pelosi was ripping up the Constitution. That's what this country's about. Nobody cares. Yeah, and, and how sad is that? Isn't that sad, George? Because you and I care. We care about the Constitution. We care about our country. I do think there's a lot of good people who care, but it's it's even more reason. you got to get out to vote. That is so pivotal. George, thank you very much. Let's go to Karen. Line 6. Karen, your thoughts? Hi, how are you? Good. What do you think about these crazy comments coming from our president at such a key time? I have to say, uh, I mean, what he said about uh, Ukraine and, you know, just taking part, he doesn't even care about his own country. I mean, he's giving this country away also to the immigrants, uh, all these terrorists coming in, the the drug mafiosos. So he doesn't care about this country either. So why should he care about anything? Wait, you know what? Right. You know what's interesting? Can you imagine, Karen, if somebody in a foreign country said, you know what? Um, you know, if he doesn't take all of America, that's not a problem. You know what I mean? Like, 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 in other words, it's okay if we give him a couple states, if we give him New York and we give him, you know, uh, give him New England, you know, and the rest of it can stay United States. You'd be like, huh? You know, I mean, here's Zelensky and his people fighting like lions, I think, and so courageous there. And then we've got our president who's like ready to divvy up the country, it sounds like. You know, if I'm Zelensky, I'd be outraged tonight. What, what do you think? Do you, do you think Zelensky would want Biden to go now to, uh, to Ukraine? Because remember, he was asking him last week to come to Ukraine. After this comment today, I don't think Zelensky would want him over there. Yeah, no, you, you know what? Yeah, Zelensky's probably like, please, don't come. To, stay right? away. Yeah, he's probably going to pay him. I'm begging you. Stay away. I'm begging you. Thanks, Karen. Let's go to Sonia in Vermont on Line 5. Sonia, your thoughts? Hi, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. Um, my thoughts is my heart aches right now because I love the United States of America, and I just don't understand why the White House and President Joe Biden's wife and family have allowed him to continue and why he hasn't been impeached. It saddens to see the president in such disarray in his health. And why is he still leading our country? It's really dangerous. Now, Sonia, how old are you? I am 52. You are? Okay. I just wanted to get your thoughts. All right. So, what what why what are you equated to you know in modern times that you've seen what are you equated to because i do think it's it's a dangerous situation sonia don't you it is dangerous and you know i've been a nursing assistant for 30 years and it's clear to me that he has mental illness right now and it looks like he has signs of dementia he doesn't know it's like he's that night when he was following obama and you know through the house 
it was like they ignored him and they totally did not even acknowledge him as the president. It was like President Obama was actually the president and not even Joe Biden. I don't understand why he's allowed to continue to be the president when he is, his health is failing. Yeah, and now, so you are in the mental arena. What what do you diagnose that you're seeing here? What do you what type of degradation are you seeing? I just feel like he has dementia. His capabilities, he can't remember what's happening, what's going on, the questions that are being asked. He can't even stand in front of reporters and be asked questions about our country. Yeah, and these are and serious times. And, and Sonia, you know the thing is, Sonia, too, it's always a serious time. Um, when you're, you know, obviously the leader of the free world, it's the greatest country in the world, and it's a leadership position for the world, the United States is. And it's always important to have a president who's on the ball, but it's even more important now when you see just how, you know, just how dangerous the world is. You got open borders. We got reports of terrorists coming through our open borders. And then we have the situation of Russia, Ukraine, the war there. I mean, it's like this combination. It's almost like, like of all times, you can't have somebody who can't answer the question correctly and who can't even keep the topic straight. It's even more frightening. And the thing is, too, Sonia, is Joe Biden, I've met Joe Biden many times through the years. He is a much quippier, uh, sharper, um, you know, feistier guy in his heyday, you know, and for many decades, you know, the Joe Biden of years ago and not that many years ago was a lot more spirited, a lot feistier, could keep facts straight, was was a good debater. I mean, there were a lot of things. So like when he, he was on, you know, debating Paul Ryan, he did a great job. But for some reason in the last few years and there's something going on to your point physically, it has been going down and down and down. And it's just like the people in the White House, it's like every day they're like, whoa, 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 this gaffe happened, this day happened. And Tim Murtaugh was just reciting. Also, remember the trip when he was in Poland? He was reciting, you know, the, uh, you know, telling the U.S. troops they're going to Ukraine. Also, if there's chemical weapons, we're going to respond in kind, you know, and also calling for regime change with Putin. I mean, those were like three, three ones within it was like a 24, 48 hours. It's like, I wonder who's sitting there going, they need like a beep. You know, every time he talks, and that's frightening. Sonia, thank you very much. Let's go to Lou on line four. Lou, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Hi, Rita. I haven't talked in a long time. Good talking to you. Uh, You know, from day one, this guy's been slow on the draw. First of all, let's face it. Right now, what we're seeing in Ukraine is like you and me going into the forest, fighting people with rifles using pistols. Uh, We have to give the Ukrainians weapons that can reach out and touch them from their launch pads, whether they're eastern Ukraine, whether they're the ships that they have in the Black Sea, or whether they're in eastern Ukraine or even Russia. Uh, Right now, they're being able to punch us, and we can't punch them back. So he was very slow on the draw considering those weapons. Right now, he's trying to catch up, but I'm just hoping it's not too little too late. And the other thing that bothers me is he's thinking, what, we're going to turn this into a uh, North-South Korea situation? Is that what we're going to do? Yeah, that's what it sounds like he is looking at. And and from my thought was, like, that always sort of seemed to be where I thought that Biden was going. I think he's been tepid on the way he's handled Russia-Ukraine from the get-go. He seems to sort of want to kind of call it a day and somehow try to appease both sides. But that's not his decision to make. 
And if Zelensky and his people want to preserve all of their country, which you can't blame them for wanting to do that, you got to give them a fighting chance. And I just feel the way he's even handled Ukraine has been drip, 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 drip. You know, I mean, Russia's amassing on the border. He doesn't do anything. Then he says if there's a minor incursion, you know, it doesn't really do anything. Russia goes in. Then they sanction. Then they do a few more sanctions. They do a few more sanctions. It's like the sanction dance. And then now he's basically saying, well, he's not going to have all of Ukraine. I mean, can you imagine if somebody said, well, I know that they came into Russia, into America, but we're not going to give, uh, you know, the, the terrorists all of uh, United States. You know, you'd be like, wait, 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 what part of it are you going to give? I mean, it's an outrageous. It almost sounds like an East-West Germany situation or a North-South Korea that he's working on, like, kind of surrendering. And it's not his choice to surrender, Lou, don't you think? Exactly. East-West Germany is is a good example. North-South Vietnam. And, of course, we know what happened there later on. Uh, uh, That's what's happening here. And uh, it, it really is, is frightening. We have to make a commitment. Uh, how I, can I tell you how I see this ending? The way it ends is Russia has to totally give up the Ukraine. It has to give a long uh, lease to Shevardnadze, maybe in Crimea, like we have in Gitmo with Cuba. And that's the end of the deal. And maybe there has to be U.N. troops in eastern Ukraine to make sure there's uh, a peace and no firing between the Russians, uh, pro-Russians and the pro-freedom uh, people in Ukraine. And that's how I see it ending. And and Ukraine agrees not to be part of NATO. And I think that would solve it. That has to be the best agreement that we can give Russia. No more than that. Well, and I listen, let's just pray for peace soon, especially for the people of Mariupol. Lou, thanks so much. When we come back, we're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about more verbal gaffes coming from President Biden just a little bit ago, asked one question by a reporter about the border and Title 42 being lifted, which is the plan from the administration next month. And he starts answering a question about a DOJ, the Department of Justice appeal on mask mandates on planes. It was like all over the place, so bad that the White House later had to correct him and say, well, the president misspoke. And as we know, this isn't the first time this president has misspoken. Remember the State of the Union. Putin may circle Kiev with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. Preventing Russia's central bank from defending the Russell ruble. And a pound of Ukrainian people, the proud, proud people, pound for pound. It's time to see the, the what used to be called the Rust Belt become the, the, the home of, of, of significant resurgence of manufacturing. Increasing the productive capacity of our, economy, of our economy. I call it building a better America. <laughs> There's simply nothing beyond our, camas- our capacity. Thank you. Go get him. Wow, things are a mess. It's one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Uh let's go to Stan on line six. Um Stan, your thoughts about the president. Uh at this time, in this hour, 
in this country. This is the man who is president of the United States. Okay? So enough with all of the people that call up who aren't in the position, who aren't in the White House, who don't talk to the generals, who don't know nothing other than him and you. So ha- wait, wait, hang on, Stan. So how do you no, think no, – and let, and wait, hang on one second, Stan. Okay. How do you think this president's doing? I mean, I, you got to admit, Stan, he's he's losing it. I mean, right. he's he's clearly not an effective communicator, and he's fumbling and bumbling, and the White House has to constantly keep correcting him. About Ukraine. Can we talk about that, which is, seems to me the most serious of situations? Well, first, can you answer my question, Stan? Don't well, you, you didn't let me get to the main point. Okay. Ahead, I'll type, answer your, ask your question. Don't Go you ahead. believe that he is cognitively slipping, no. that he's not seeming to answer correctly? The White House keeps having to correct him. Okay, they correct him. Okay, a human being. Okay, this isn't an um, automaton machine. Okay, this is the man we have. That's the way it is. Okay, constant bickering about his mental capacity, which I don't think, yeah, he was making mistakes. Okay, absolutely. I'm not going to deny that. I yeah, it's so, him. it's so obvious, Dan, you got to accept it. Well, uh, uh, I'd rather have him than man who has all his cognitive situations and who almost decided that uh, possibly will overthrow the election. That, to me, is worse than what we have here. Okay? That is more of a threat than Joseph Biden, a man with, and we know who I'm talking about, our friend Trump, okay? He has all his capacities. He has all, and yet the possibility that he, and we now know from a book, that he possibly, well, definitely, you know, they told him. Stan, we're talking, hang on, Stan, Stan, stay focused. We are talking about the president we have right now, which, as you aptly said, is the one who's in the White House, um, it is a concern when he says Putin is not going to get all of Ukraine and and him saying, well, maybe a minor incursion's OK. These are huge misspeaks. These are not just someone, you know, making a tiny little error. This is Vladimir Putin saying, oh, well, maybe I can get some of Ukraine. Maybe I can do a, quote, minor incursion. He is giving a big neon sign to evil dictators, somebody like a Putin you give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. You've already seen what he has done to Ukraine. Don't you agree? I've seen what he's done to Ukraine, okay? Okay. I've seen what the previous president has done to this country. I'll take this man day in and day out. We have a possibility of nuclear war. I think he is handling it correctly, cautiously, and so forth, giving money, giving weapons, and is doing exactly what is needed. Well, the and military- Stan, there are a lot of people who are very concerned. And, you know, I hear you. And by the way, I love hearing from everybody on the show. That's why I love getting your call, Stan. I love hearing from everybody. But there are a lot of people, Democrats and independents, that give him very low approval ratings. But I love your call, Stan. Keep them coming. Let's go to Vito on line five. Vito from Virginia Beach. Your thoughts. You just heard Stan, who thinks uh, that Biden is Churchill. What do you think? I'm totally against what Sam said. Because of what the Biden did is is horrendous to this country. He wants to eviscerate this country. He gave them $85 billion worth of secret weapons. Uh, he's done. You're talking about in Afghanistan, the, in Afghanistan, yes, correct? Yep. Afghanistan. And he alienated us from NATO, which uh, 
which is a big detriment to our freedom. Well, and to me, so, it's even more his his rambling is a huge concern. Let's go to Jimmy real quick on line six. Jimmy, your thoughts real quick, Jim. Biden was put in office by a group called Council for a Livable World. That group was founded by Leo Szilard. So, guy hey, Jim, Jim, real quick, agent. Get real quick, response to Stan. Do you think that Biden is Churchill? Biden is on the enemy side. It looks like he's working in cahoots with Putin. But Biden's doing the attack here. What Biden and the movement are doing in this country, we could lose. Well, you know we what's, you know really what's interesting, Jimmy, is that I don't even know if Biden realizes what's happening. I mean, that's what's scary. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, we are talking about Biden's gaffes. He is fumbling and mumbling all over the place, even though Stan, who just called in, equates him basically to Winston Churchill. You know, uh, he seems to have a hard time even saying the word Churchill, let alone being Winston Churchill. And I contend that leadership right now is really pivotal to the world. And it could not be more dire for the people of Ukraine. As we're finding out in the last few hours, the situation is so difficult, particularly in the town of Mariupol. That is that key port town, and that is on the eastern side of the country. And that is sort of in the heart of where Putin is trying to create a land bridge, basically from the top eastern part of the country to the bottom eastern part of the country. And he needs to take over Mariupol to kind of have a fluid land bridge, if you will. And so he is pounding that city with everything. And we know that in a steel plant there, there are still soldiers from Ukraine that are fighting with everything they have. They are saying we are not surrendering. But what they are asking for is safe passage for women and children that are inside, that are in the steel plant. And we're hearing that in the town of Mariupol, there's about 100,000 people. And Putin so far, at least around the steel plant, this is amazing. Think about the brutality of this. He basically told his forces today, don't level the steel plant. Don't pound it. What I want you to do is basically stand around it, stay outside to make sure nothing gets into them. No food, no water, no munitions. He is basically trying to starve Thousands of people to death. This situation is just getting so horrific. And that is why American leadership right now is so pivotal, not just for Ukraine, but for the situation of what could happen if Mariupol falls and other parts of Ukraine fall too. And that could happen very soon. And many people are saying, why didn't we get them the weapons sooner? Why didn't we get in things sooner? Putin was telegraphing what he was going to do, and he's getting worse and worse and worse. And inside Mariupol, they are pleading. Take a listen. Here is a Ukrainian soldier, basically the commander there of that unit that's inside that steel plant with a message to the world. 
This is our appeal to the world. This could be the last appeal of our lives. We are probably facing our last days, if not ours. The enemy is outnumbering us, 10 to 1. The enemy, the Russian forces, are outnumbering the Ukrainian forces. They are 10 to 1. How could we let this happen, guys? How could we be in this position now? We are the most powerful country in the world. We are a partner of NATO. We've been working in sync with NATO. We're supposed to be leading the charge in NATO. And yet at this moment, it's basically the Ukrainian Alamo in Mariupol. And it looks like potentially tens of thousands of people are on the verge of being slaughtered in that city alone. They're discovering more mass graves also by a cemetery that was just uncovered just a little bit ago. Details about more horrific mass graves being found out there. How is the most powerful country in the world in this position right now? What did we do wrong? What did this administration do wrong? And why are we in this position where now it looks like tens of thousands of people are about to be slaughtered and we're not interceding at this moment? We're not calling for safe evacuations. And the mayor of Mariupol right now is pleading for that. Take a listen to what he said. Unfortunately, today it is not possible to evacuate Mariupol residents from Azovstal. Why? Because we are asking for a sustained ceasefire. We need at least one day to inform our residents who have been sheltering there for the 57th day in a row. 57th day in a row. You heard that right. They've been hiding there, women and children. And right now, the Biden administration doesn't seem to even be pressing to push for a safe evacuation to say, hey, Russian troops, at least let the women and children and the men, the civilians get out. The soldiers want to stay and fight. The ones who are healthy, they want to stay and fight, but at least get the wounded out and get the civilians out. Why are we not doing anything? I mean, what message, first of all, does that say not just to Ukraine, but to the world? What does that send to China? What does that send to North Korea? What does that send to Iran? And what does that send to our other allies who say, okay, right now, we're not creating some sort of forced effort to Russia to say, stand back. We have a president who says, well, he won't get control of all of Ukraine. Ah, maybe he'll just get control of the eastern part of the country. Sorry, Zelensky. Is that the message coming from our president? Well, take a listen. This is Kurt Volker, who was a NATO representative, and he said he is shocked by what's happening by the Russians. The brutality of Russia's invasion across the board here, whether it's the deliberate targeting and killing of civilians, the, the, the mass graves that you just showed there, or now, as we see, a, a deliberate tactic of trying to starve out the remaining resistance rather than fight them head on. Uh, it's really stunning. It is so unbelievably stunning. And joining us now to talk about all of this now is James Carafano with the Heritage Foundation, Vice President for Foreign and Security Policy. Uh, I have to get your take, James, on what is happening right now in Mariupol, because, boy, it just sounds so just horrible. Well, you know, the U.S. has has been through this before. 1956, uh, Hungarian uprising. 1968, um, the the Czech Revolution, 
Both were efforts to throw off the control of the Soviet Union, and uh, the U.S. really couldn't do anything because it was on the, the, the other side of, of that curtain. And this is, this is a very similar situation. Um, but you, you, when you ask – I mean you, you keep asking the right question, which was how did we get here in really such a predictable place? And it was – you know, look, I mean, it's not a partisan comment. You know, nothing I say is really, you know, I'm picking on one political party or the other. We all want America to be successful. We all want America to be a, a force for good in, in the world. You know, it's funny because tonight uh, at our annual meeting, you know, Donald Trump came and speak to us. And to me, the most powerful, important thing he said is, is when America is strong, when America is strong, the world sleeps safer. And what we've seen in the last two years of this presidency, which is what we saw in eight years of the Obama presidency, was the the lack of recognition of the the basic notion when you confront regimes like Iran and Russia and China, and that is weakness doesn't beget friendship. Weakness invites aggression. And when you show a, a weak face to these countries, they take advantage of that. I mean, this was this was the lesson that Ronald Reagan taught us when he talked about peace through strength. It wasn't intimidating other people. It wasn't pushing other people around. It was when evil people come at you, what forces them to back strong. You know, it's like when you show the sign of the cross to the vampire. It's the power of strength. And and what Biden did from the day he came into office was send the wrong signals to the Russians. And then when it was incredibly clear for over a year that Putin was massing for this war, all we did was, was we, we, we tried to somehow placate and demonstrate weakness. If we had done the things that we do today a year or just a year ago, the, the Russians would have never attacked because they would have seen that Ukraine is armed and resourced and supported, and Putin would not have risked that. So there is there isn't you know I'm a historian in addition to being having a career in the military and I know you read you read history books and, and you want there to that somehow there's got to be an answer to this there's got to be a solution that solves all the problems and the the reality of of reality is is that often it doesn't happen and just like in in 1956 and 1968 when we stood there and we watched terrible things happen. Um, My answer to that is if you didn't want those horrible, bad things to happen, then you should have done something beforehand. And that's the situation that we're we're facing today. And even today, I think if if we had not been so slow in terms of pushing the arms and the support to the Ukrainians that they need, they would have been much, you know, they would have been much better able to try to lift the siege of Mariupol. And now we're playing this racing game, trying to get stuff in there. That will allow them to kind of take enough offensive to break the siege of the city. I, I just, I just don't know how, how we get that stuff there fast enough now. Yeah, and now we're trying to, but just like you just said, we're so behind the eight ball, James Carafano, and that's the problem. You know, I also want to get your reaction to this comment too, um, because you were with President Trump um, tonight, as you just po- talked about, and he was always very sort of clear on leadership. And just as you said, it sort of strength begets, you know, respect when you're dealing with people like a Putin and and somebody who wishes to do the world harm. Um, I want to play a comment, James, that uh, President Biden made just 
a few hours ago. It was really astounding. And get your reaction. Here it is. Our unity at home, our unity with our allies and partners, and our unity with the Ukrainian people is sending an unmistakable message to Putin. He will never succeed in dominating and occupying all of Ukraine. Now, James, a lot of people are taking, and I want to get your thoughts from a military perspective on this, when he says he will never succeed in dominating all of Ukraine. Right away, people came out and went, whoa, 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 whoa. The answer should be from the leader of America um, would have been, don't touch one inch of Ukraine. You will never succeed in having an inch of Ukraine. It's a sovereign country. But it almost sounds like he's ready to give away part of Ukraine to Russia. It, look, this is this is the bystander in chief in action. What you're not getting is a vision. You're not getting a goal. You're not getting a direction. What you're getting is a description of what is going on today. Because Ukraine didn't collapse in a New York minute, which is what the administration expected, which is why they did nothing. Because the Ukrainians fought and held their ground, then the Europeans said, oh, okay, well, we've got to support them. And the U.S. went along with that. And, and because, you know, Afghanistan was such a disaster, Biden didn't dare, didn't dare do nothing. And, yeah, the vast majority of Americans want to see this as an unjust war and want to support the Ukrainians. So what you heard from the president was a description of what is going on in the world. You didn't hear from the president saying, and this is what we're going to do about it. And this has been the problem with this administration all the time. Their the, the response is always, what is the, the minimum I can do, the minimum risk I can take? Um, and you know, you, Obama had this famous thing of leading from behind. And we're not even leading from behind. Essentially, we're following what everybody is doing. This is a, a presidency that is dragged along by momentum. It is the opposite of what you saw you know, for example, in, in a Reagan presidency or, a, or an Eisenhower or a Trump presidency, you know, a vision of going to a powerful place because the, the, the obsession of this administration, I mean, if, if, you, if you take everything the president's talked about in the last couple of weeks, um, he, the, 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 the talk about climate, and it's still all about climate, it's still all about uh, the domestic things that, that they want to do. That's his focus. It's not about leading the nation through a crisis. Um, and I, I think his own words on that are, are pretty clear and distinct on that. There's no, you, there, there's the sentence of Ronald Reagan, you know, saying, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, this vision of going to a place. And instead, what you hear from Biden is really is, is something like you would hear from a, a news anchor saying, well, here's where we are today. You know, well, they're not going to conquer all of Ukraine. Well, we all know they're not going to conquer all of Ukraine because the Ukrainians are fighting for that. So what's, what is the president adding? What, where is, what is the leadership that he is bringing to this? No, you're right. He's not leading from the front. And just as you said, when America doesn't lead from the front and doesn't lead and is sort of cowering, as it seems, in many ways to Putin and, and really leading, not even leading, but just kind of like drifting from behind. It, it, I think I use the description, James, that it's sort of like a rudderless um, a rudderless leadership, and and you right know, now we're seeing what's happening in in Mariupol. I mean, where's where's the know, leadership and, now? And, and you know, in contrast to that, I mean, you know, again, I'm I'm not a political because I'm I'm working a nonpartisan think tank. I'm not even a Republican. I don't even belong to a political party. But you know, you know, contrast this with 
with you know the other line that stuck with me from from Trump's speech uh, he goes you know he goes everybody thought i liked putin except putin putin feared trump and he feared trump because trump did things these guys they were they they look at what we do not what we say the defining moment of middle east history could have been if we when when the when when trump took out soleimani the, the 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 lead terrorist in Iran. Yep. He was actually in Iraq, organizing attacks against Americans. And for the two presidents before him, were constantly warned, "You can't go after this guy. That's a red line." But Trump Trump not only went after him, he took him out in Iraq. And and the Iranian response to that was incredibly predictable. Did they rain fire and hell down in the United States? No. They actually, they actually said this is a man to fear. You know, there's a very similar incident that, that happened in Syria where some um, uh, Russian missionaries attacked a U.S. compound, and the U.S. response to that was the president ordered that they just basically bombed the guys off the face of the earth. And the response from that, from Putin, which, I, which I've heard from a number of different diplomatic sources, so I believe it was, well, okay, let's not do that again. Yeah, so, and, and, and there's no sense of fear now, and that, I think, that's Sadly, exactly right. right, and that is sad, and it's sad, you know, obviously it's sad for America, it's sad for the world, and boy, is it sad, you know, for the people in Ukraine and Mariupol right now, because they're going, wait a minute, we thought America would help us, you know, we thought America would lead this pack, and now they have such a different president uh, that's leading the charge, and meanwhile, they're fighting with everything they have, which is just, it's been extraordinary. James, Thank you so much, James Carafano, the senior vice president there over at Heritage Foundation and great military guy, uh, vice president for foreign and security policy at Heritage Foundation. Thank you so much, James. Right. Great talking to you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, James. Great insight. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody. You just heard from James of the importance of American leadership or lack thereof. 1-800-848-9222. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the situation in Ukraine and Victoria Sparks. She is a current congresswoman of Ukrainian descent, had this to say about President Biden and his leadership. Listen to Congresswoman Sparks. I can tell you, you know, country is in a very dire situation. It's a very, very serious war out there. Unfortunately, our president is always a step behind and probably more than a step. We definitely need to have better and faster delivery of security assistance. And let's just pray it is not too late because what's happening in Mariupol is unbelievable what they are fighting for and right now our president 
can't even keep Title 42 and mask mandates straight, let alone Russia and Ukraine. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Alice on line six from Cincinnati. Go ahead, Alice. Hi, Rita. We saw Joe Biden during the campaign. Very little. He was, they kept him in the basement. What yeah, that's kind true. Of a family? Yes. And what kind of a family would allow a close family member, and I'm referring to his wife, to be exposed to the most stressful job in the world? And I am the last person to support Joe Biden. I try to. But this is this is elder abuse. Someone is he has handlers like a marionette and they're pulling strings. And if that's true, these people are not pro-American. Well, and, you know, Alice, I want us to do well. I want our country to do well. You know, as as James Carfano was just talking about, I want this country to do extremely well and to be the beacons that we always were. But. I agree with you. It is so lackluster, and clearly people close to him see it, because we certainly see it. So you know people who are with him all the time definitely see it, and you're right. they got to be going, what the heck are we doing here? And especially when the stakes, again, as dealing with what we're seeing with Russia and Ukraine, boy. Let's go to Robert on line seven in Philly. Go ahead, Robert. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Hey, Robert. Hi, Rita. I'm sorry about that. Um I, I'm not going to spend t- a lot of time talking about the embarrassment that's in the White House, okay? I needed to address my good friend Stan, okay, because he said that he would take Biden over what Trump did to this country. And I thought he might need to find out that under Trump we were energy independent and low, prices were low. The economy was great for everybody at historic levels. He killed ISIS. He won a trade war with China. No new wars other than that. Yeah, you're right. No, by the way, Robert, you're right. You hit a lot of things. I think Stan is drinking again. That's where I think he's going. We'll continue with your calls after the break. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And with tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, one of my favorite segments that we get to do every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great men and women in the military and, of course, their incredible families. And we have a special story coming out of Oklahoma, where a proud Cherokee Nation citizen and World War II veteran took center stage as an Oklahoma Veteran of the Week during the latest legislative session in Oklahoma City. Wayne G. Callahan, who is 96 years old of Claremore, Oklahoma, was just honored with an official citation from the Oklahoma House of Representatives. How great is that? Callahan said, this was an amazing thing to me. It has been wonderful. I will say that. Callahan was drafted in the U.S. Army in October 1944, at 19 years old. After basic training, he served 18 months in the Philippines during World War II before he was honorably discharged. And friends and family say that he is very proud of his service, but is very reserved when it comes to sharing those stories. In fact, his daughter said 
recently. To this day, he doesn't really talk a lot about what he saw. I did ask him recently and said, how many people were in your company in the military? And he said, oh, about 900. And then I asked him how many came home. And he said, probably about 200. So my dad clearly saw a lot. Well, how wonderful that he is being recognized by the state of Oklahoma as a veteran of the week during their legislative session. And how great to see a member of the greatest generation being honored and their family also being present. That is really, really beautiful to see. And I always love our wonderful support, our hero segment here on the Rita Cosby Show. That and our Back the Blue we do every night here. And I just love it. Well, we are talking um, about comments coming from a great general, General Jack Keene. And I've known General Jack Keene a long time, and he has a good perception of what's going on in the ground and of what's happening in Ukraine. And he said, right now, this is a dire, dire situation, he believes, um, incredibly, of what's happening in Mariupol. Because in the last few hours, the Russians have said, get this language, they've used the phrase that they have, quote, liberated Mariupol. That's that town, that very pivotal port town in the eastern part of the country where we've seen these horrible stories about hospitals being bombed, theaters. Remember the theater that it marked children were inside and the Russians still bombed it early on in the war? Well, that is in Mariupol. That has just been getting pounded day after day after day. It's been incredible that the city Still, some of it is even still standing, 90% of it leveled, but it is really taking a beating. And this is what General Jack Keene had to say about the situation that is happening in Ukraine there, because he said it is really, really just, it's an Alamo situation in Mariupol. The Russians are convinced that they own the city, and they likely do, except for what you mentioned And those forces certainly are trying to hold on by a thread there. And hopefully something can be worked out uh, between Ukraine and Russia to get get the troops and the civilians out of there. Because there are more than 100,000 civilians in Mariupol that are trapped. No food, no water. And in the steel plant, it's like a compound more. There are many women, children, elderly people that are there. And right now the Russians aren't letting anybody out. It is just catastrophic. They are trying to literally starve them out, starve them to death. Think about what a horrible, horrible situation. No, let's not pound them. Let's starve them instead. This is an unbelievably catastrophic, horrific situation. And meantime, Zelensky is pleading, saying, please give us weaponries. Give us whatever you can. Please, please, please. And many military strategists are saying, what the heck is the Biden administration waiting for? Listen to what General Jack Keane said, because he said right now we should be throwing everything in the kitchen sink to help Ukraine right now. Because, look, they knocked out the warship. They knocked out the big flagship, the Moscow. You know, why not? You know what I mean? They knocked that out. They've done other things. They got them out of Kiev. They did all this other stuff, and now you're going to have them starve to death in Mariupol? What are we waiting for? Listen to General Jack Keane. It's very difficult to win a combined arms conventional fight, which this is, without having some kind of air superiority. And the Ukrainians do not have it. Now, the Russians' air power has been limited, to be sure, but still it will take its toll on the Ukrainians. And then there's a lot of talk about this new test that the Russians have done 
of an intercontinental ballistic nuclear missile. It's an interesting thing. It is called Satan II, appropriately, right? Uh, Satan II, it's a new hypersonic weapon that can, they say, quote, destroy the U.K. and will, quote, provide food for thought for our enemies. So clearly they were testing it as a message to the world. So are we still just going to sit back? Are we going to say, wait a minute, do not do this, do not go any further? We should have gone in beforehand. There are so many mistakes made, and now our president can't even keep his messaging straight at the White House as we've been talking. Today he was all over the place. Where do we go from here, guys? This is a disaster. And how do we fix it now? Because, listen, wars have twists and turns Is there something that we can do to turn it around, not just for Ukraine, but for Europe, for the world, for a message to those who want to do us harm? You know that China's watching. You know Iran is watching. So there are huge repercussions here. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Sherry on line three. Sherry, your thoughts about all this? Hi, Rita. Long time I'll speak to you. Uh, First off, I don't understand. There was you had mentioned a couple of nights back about anything normal. There's nothing normal about this whole administration from the top down. Okay. All I can say is what's going on in Ukraine is horrendous. They never did any active aggression, and this president has just let Russia go and go and go. Nobody knows about it. How many thousands of children have been removed and probably killed? Okay. And as far as Stan goes, Stan is in his bubble. And for him to keep defending Biden, I hope he's rushing up all his home on his Spanish, Russian, and Mandarin. Yeah, because sadly, we may, uh, hopefully we're not going to be speaking that, uh, you know, as the dominant language in America, you know. But I'm sure if Putin had his way and China had their way, they would be doing that. Uh, Sherry, thank you very, very much. You're right. It's just, it's it's unconscionable what's been happening. And, you know, James Caravano, you guys just gave us a very powerful phrase when he was here on the show just a few minutes ago, as you heard from the Heritage Foundation. He said that Biden is, quote, a bystander, that that's how he feels. And he is at a nonpartisan think tank in Washington as a former military guy. You know, and that's a great analogy because that is what he is. It's like he's like sitting there watching. It's almost like a horrible accident happening in front of you. And you're just sort of standing by and you're watching the bus crash into somebody. You're watching something happening and you're not really kind of, you know, telling the person to run or, or going into and trying to block them from being right. You know, I mean, there's, it's like he's just sort of watching the picture just sort of happening and not taking charge. And that has been the way he has handled this situation from the beginning. And you see it with the border. You see it with crime in America. You see it with Ukraine and Russia. The list goes on and on. Let's go to Mike on the Lower East Side of New York. Go ahead, Mike. You're here on line four. How are you, Rita? You know, uh, we've got to face reality. They're not going to give them their planes or uh, any of that stuff. Look, all they got to do is strap anti-tank missiles on motorcycles and go get those tanks. They're being pounded by tanks, okay? Camouflage the bikes and go after them, man. They, they should have had them a month ago when they were bundled up. Nobody wanted to listen to this United States Coast Guard Auxiliary Commander, basic commander, and a sergeant in the military. Nobody wanted to listen to me. President Trump said they were bundled up. They, they, 
It was a lost opportunity. They could have had him with the box, but everybody was too busy uh, thinking about other things. They're not getting plays. They could still do it. Have Poland or any, any of those countries send motorcycles that camouflage them and hit them at night. And also, we gotta we gotta uh, stop buying Chinese stuff and and let's. Go after the Chinese to, uh, to twist the uh, arm of the Russians. We're hey, no, and I, hey, now let me, let me ask you, Mike, and I'm going to hit on the, the last point. You talked about a lot of important things here, but let me get on to the last point you made because you're right. China, you know, even the CIA director was saying last week that China is, quote, a silent partner of Russia. Uh, I don't know how silent they are, but I do believe they are being a partner. And that's another area that you bring up. We're doing nothing to try to have China, you know, on our side, on the on the just side. We're doing nothing. We're doing nothing to try to put leverage on them or to create at least a wedge between them and Russia. It's like we're like, you know, it's like, again, it's that bystander comment that we just heard from James Carafano. Uh, I think you hit it spot on on a lot of points, Mike. Thank you very much. Let's go to Peter on line five. Peter, what do you think about all this? And what do you think of Stan thinking still that Biden's Churchill? He might be the only person in America who thinks that. Well, one thing I want to tell Stan is I'm a senior, older, and I'm a Republican, not a Republican, I'm sorry, I'm a Democrat for 50 years. And the idea that Stan talks about is so ridiculous. First of all, he's a never-Trumper, so that's the end of it. The second thing is, it's amazing that he thinks Biden's so great because I can't wait to the, the election when Biden has to talk about all his good things he's done. It's been now. I wanted to give Biden a long, long chance to try to make something good of the United States, but he's worse than Carter. And to think that in 15 months, what has he done? One thing that he's done that's turned out right. Let's stand, call up. Forget about his name, Trump. Call up and say, or he's going to say pretty soon that Biden did a wonderful job at the border letting a million people in so we can all have some workers and stuff like that. And that's my point. No, but you know what? You you made some great points. And, you know, the other issue is obviously even in inflation, too. I mean, you look at skyrocketing numbers. You look at Afghanistan. I mean, not even just Ukraine and foreign policy, domestic foreign policy. I mean, there's so many areas here, Peter. And I have many friends who are Democrats who feel the exact same way you do and have come out and said, you know what, they've had it with him, that they would like to have him obviously do well. I have friends who voted for him who thought he was the greatest thing in the world and now just can't believe it and are among the 33 percent or not even, I should say, the uh, 67 percent who are completely disenchanted with him. And that includes Democrats like you and independents. Peter, thank you very much. Let's go to Norm on line six. Norm, your thoughts about this. Hi, Julia. Yeah, I just wanted to say, first of all, Stan, there's typical uh, liberal talking points. He spews out uh, these statements like, uh, look what Trump did to our country. There's no substance in that statement. Listen, we want to look at what Trump did for our country. He gave us the best economy in the world at the time. We had no inflation. I just heard a report today that the Democrats said, or Biden even said, I'm not sure, that uh, they didn't leave, the Republicans didn't leave us a plan about inflation. Yeah, and you know what? And, and also, how about they're trying to say, well, no, we never said defund the police. You know, we never said it's like it's like they it's it's on videotape. I mean, it's over and over again. It's 
it is incredible, this rewriting. And you know what that is all about, Norm. It's because the elections are right around the corner. Well, you know, once once they, they find out that the, the base doesn't agree with them, they just turn around and lie. And, it is, and, it, and they let the media spew out the same lying points. But I have to make one really important point. Well, that's, that's why you're right. We need a free press and we need a fair press. Uh, Norm, great points. Thank you very much. Let's go to Eileen on line four. Eileen, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead. Hi, Rita. I am a proud American. I love my country so much. But ever since February 24th of this year, I have a new president. His name is Vladimir Zelensky. Oh, so wait, wait, not not our American. You feel closer to Zelensky than Biden. Why is that? Because Biden is not a real president. He doesn't care about his own people. He gives out free crack pipes to black people. He lets the marijuana become legal, and that's going to cause a lot of crime, not just auto accidents, break-ins and everything, robberies, everything. He's not doing anything for this country. Well, and you know, Eileen— I love America. I love America. But President Vladimir Zelensky is my president. Well, and two things I want to add to you. Um, you know, one of the things that's been incredibly disappointing, I think, about the our president— uh, or at least my uh, the president of the United States, how's that, uh, Eileen, is President Biden has come out and he hasn't really had a plan about bail reform. He doesn't seem to be going after these soft on crime judges, even tackling crime as an issue, because um, you touched on that. And, and that's been a disappointment that he doesn't seem to have this comprehensive plan. It's all going after guns, but not going after you know, it's it's gun control versus thug control. And I contend, you know, you want illegal guns off the streets, but you also want to keep the bad guys behind bars and get rid of these repeat offenders. The other thing, too, Eileen, is I will say the leadership of Vladimir Zelensky has been extraordinary. I mean, think about this guy has had his country invaded. He's had, you know, thousands of people in his country slaughtered. And he is standing strong. He's meeting with leaders. He's going out. He's even walking still the streets of Kiev. He was offered a free ride out. He said, I don't want a ride. I want military arms. I want weapons. We're fighting. And the Ukrainian people have been so inspired. And I think the world has been. And what a contrast, as you hit on, Eileen, to our president, who James Carafano was just on the show and used the expression, he's a bystander. I mean, talk about night and day in terms of leadership skills. Uh, is that where you're going, Eileen, to just even from a even from an inspiration standpoint? Our president can't even get the words out. And Zelensky's dealing with bombs and missiles and he's keep he keeps charging. And what is Biden doing for President Zelensky? President Zelensky asked him to come to Ukraine. And help or do something to talk. Yep, and right. No, you're right. And so far he hasn't. Um, You know, who knows if he can even keep the idea between Ukraine and, uh, you know, and Russia. I mean, it seems like he's he is mixing words left and right. Today he was mixing Title 42 border stuff with mass mandates. They had to apologize afterwards. I think they're very worried. I mean, obviously there's security issues too. But also I just think they're worried. What is he going to say? What is he going to do? 
Um, I mean, he's doing such a mess in our country. I think they're worried. What is he going to do elsewhere? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And I'll continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you just heard one of you calling in saying that their president is Zelensky, that they are so disenchanted with what they're seeing with our own president, President Biden. And this is President Zelensky just a little bit ago talking about how scared and how concerned and how frustrated and dire the situation is in Mariupol as they are surrounded by Russian forces right now. Um, They're keeping siege, according to our information, about 120,000 people only in Mariupol. Crimes that are happening in Mariupol are much more awful and large scale than in Borodyanka. So the question is, where is the cavalry coming for Ukraine? Well, Congresswoman Sparts, who is, by the way, she's of Ukrainian descent, said, She was on the ground in Ukraine just a little bit ago. Remember, our president hasn't been there. The Danish prime minister went today. I'm half Danish, so I'm happy about that. The Polish president went recently. I'm half Polish. I'm happy about that. So both of my halves are covered. They went in there and met with Zelensky. Our president hasn't. Any of our senior leadership really hasn't either, you know, from the administration side. Some senators have. Senator Danes went and also Victoria Sparts. And she's like, where is the help? that this president is supposed to be sending. Most of it isn't even making it to the front lines. Take a listen. In the last package, we provided $3.5 billion for security assistance and almost $10 billion, I cannot figure out what for because I haven't seen any evidence of any humanitarian help from any major organizations on the ground. And this is something that we need to really look into that. And we sent a lot a few weeks ago, and I hope Chairwoman Maloney will actually respond on that and will have some oversight on that. Yeah. And do you think Mariupol, which is now surrounded, as you heard from Zelensky, more than 100,000 people trapped, getting starved to death, getting pounded also by the Russians? You think that they have time for the weapons to somehow get to them that were promised to them weeks ago? My goodness. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jim on line three from Virginia. Jim. Hi, Rita. How are you tonight? Uh, I just have a quick comment. And that is, no matter how you feel about uh, what happens at the border, uh, that mess uh, or what happened in Afghanistan, the way the way we walked away, or I say Biden walked away from Afghanistan, I think all of the death and destruction and tragedy in Ukraine can be laid at the feet of that incompetent boot incompetent boob, Joe Biden, uh, I I think it's just absolutely tragic. He knew what was happening in the beginning. He did absolutely nothing. He watched 100,000 Russians mass at the border. And what did he think he was going to do or or those people were going to do, play tiddlywinks? No, they were getting ready to invade Ukraine, and he could have taken some steps that would have either forestalled or completely prevented that. And he just looked the other way. He wouldn't give the uh, the uh, the jets to uh, to the Polish uh, 
or to, to yeah, Poland. Yeah, he wouldn't let, right, you're use. right, he wouldn't let them sell it. You're right. Yeah. And they wanted to, they wanted to, or even give it, you know, they just wanted a backfill from the United States and the U.S. wasn't supporting that. Uh, you know, obviously I blame Vladimir Putin for these horrible atrocities, but our president, you're right, was not proactive. What did, what did you make real quick? Uh, James Carafano just on the show was calling him, our president, quote, a bystander. I mean, and I think it's actually a good analogy, but a sad analogy of how U.S. leadership has been on this. Oh, he's absolutely a bystander. He just stood around with his hands in his pockets looking, uh, you know, like he's lost for Pete's sakes. He knew. And he's got advisors. He's got, a, you know, a, a, a terrific uh, military defense department. Except you know what's you know what's happening though, Jim. They have to keep correcting him. I mean, today he basically said Putin can't have all of Ukraine. They're like, whoa, 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 wait. He can't have any of Ukraine. And then he couldn't figure out Title Forty Two border and mask. I, he is all over the place. Pray for America, guys. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance, and you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.